you have your Bibles tonight, open up to Matthew chapter 26, and uh, I'm kind of preach a message tonight just on this area and just uh, a lot of stuff going on. I'm just really, uh, even in this Exodus season, but with everything going on, it's so important that uh, as Christians, uh, there's so many things we can speak to or speak against, but I found out if we just speak the truth loud enough, and people hear the truth, you don't have to spend so much time trying to disprove things. You just have to declare the truth and put the truth out there with equal volume. Amen? And, and, and just get it out there and just put the truth out. And, uh, and then the Word of God has the ability to speak for itself. But tonight it sounds a little, kind of the message, the title is a little different. But I want to talk about living forward, backwards in a forward world. And uh, we have a world that just seems to be running, you know, for, for everything we can think of, headlong to hell as fast as it can. And uh, it seems like humanity, no matter what, you read it down through the years. It's like I said Sunday morning when I read that excerpt from Billy Graham's sermon. You think, well, man, that sounded like he just preached that last week someplace at a crusade. Because it, 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 nothing changes in, in that aspect. And so we're looking at a lot of different areas. But it's so important that if we just hold on to the essence of the Christian life. And in, what we have today is that we're seeing more and more. And, and it's not even... Uh, uh, I don't want to say this. It's not even just uh, pertinent to our day and our generation. It's been going on forever, but there's just a watering down of faith and a, and, and a confusion about things. And, and there's not, not enough of just good, solid, biblical, foundational preaching in our churches. We preach about all kinds of other things, but just the, the sure foundation of the gospel. Amen? And so it's so important that we have that in this day and this hour. And so I want to talk about the essence of the Christian life. And there's a three-part that we're going to deal with, and I call it the trinity of the truth. And it's the blood, the bread, or the Word of God, and the fire of the Holy Spirit. Those three elements are the three elements of truth to our life. The blood of Christ, the bread of God's Word, the bread of life, and then the fire or the baptism of the Holy Spirit or the life of the Spirit living in us and working through us. Amen? So, Matthew chapter 26, and Jesus speaking here at, to the disciples on the night of, of his betrayal and uh, in the upper room with them, verse 26, as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. So he said, this bread was representation of my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave them saying, drink from it. All of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sin. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it new with you you in my father's kingdom father i thank you tonight for your word i thank you for these next few moments lord let our hearts be anchored let us be reassured let us be stirred with new passion new zeal even as chris was praying for souls father let us go back to the foundation understanding that you love the world so much that you gave your only son that whoever would believe on you would not perish it's not your heart it's not your will that anybody would perish but all would come to the knowledge of of the truth. So Holy Spirit, help us to have our hearts anchored, surely fixed, and founded in the truth of your word so we can share the hope of the gospel with others. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. Look at the cover of your outline. We're going to read a few more scriptures here in a moment. Well, in fact, as we do that, uh, before we jump right in there, go with me to Matthew chapter 3. 
and I'm working on, we're putting together, and I'm rewriting a lesson on this on the Holy Spirit, and uh, so we've been putting together a, a uh, New Beginnings visitors pack and uh, welcome pack and that, but we're shooting some videos based upon what does it mean to be born again, what is water baptism, about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, belonging to the church, and, and those type of things, but put a little video and, and uh, audio packet together that we can do. And uh, so I was working on some of that this morning, and then it tied into the message. But in uh, Matthew chapter 3, John the Baptist is speaking, beginning in verse 7. And when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, Brood of vipers, who has warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore bear fruits worthy of repentance. And uh, how many know conduct always proves repentance? Amen. And do not think to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham for these stones. And even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So Jesus, we read in the upper room, said that here is the bread of my body, here is the blood of the new covenant, here is the bread and here is the blood. But then John said that when he comes, he's bringing with him a baptism of fire or a power, a, a purging baptism in our lives. Amen? And so those are the elements, that's the trinity of truth that we hold on to. Look at the cover of your outline. We need a God who is still bigger than words. And years ago, it, I forget when it was, I think it was about seven years ago, uh, John Muncy gave me, it, it's more than that that he gave to him, probably about eight or nine years ago, that he gave me a, a CD of uh, about 70 of A.W. Tozier's sermons, old, scratchy, recorded sermons and stuff. And I was listening, and one of them he was talking about God who's bigger than words, and it just went off inside of me. But he made a statement about that in this one message about God, and that there's no way, when you think about it, we always try to express and, and, and define God. But God can't be defined even by words. Amen. How, how, how big is God? What word could you give to eternity? You, something, inf, something finite cannot define infinite. That's what's happening that when we send out, and, and the universe is crazy, when they send out telescopes and, and, and all these things, they're looking, the Hubble telescope, all these things, they keep looking, 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 and they just go, man, there is no end to this thing. How do you explain Ad infinitum. What word can you say? God is bigger than words. And that's why sometimes when we want to worship Him, we want to express our praise. That's why the Holy Spirit is so awesome. Because when I pray in the Spirit, that's the only way I know that I can really fully magnify God and glorify Him in a way that He is due is through the Holy Spirit. Because my mind can't comprehend all that He is. Amen? So we still need a God who is bigger than words. A God who can still save, heal, and deliver. One who will protect provide and fulfill all his promises to his people. The God who is bigger than any sickness and disease and any test or trial, any storm or recession, problem or person that you may face in life. How many know God is bigger than everything we're facing today? He still is the answer for every situation. He is the God who has always called his people to return to him, to live 
backward. Or in other words, we get caught up in life. And when we give our life to Christ, we go back to the truth that has always been. And that's what I mean living backwards in a forward world. Here we are, our society, man is evolving, we're developing, we're getting all this intellect, we're getting all this knowledge, we have all the capability and all these resources at our disposal. But then when we finally come to the knowledge of the truth, we go back to the truth that has always been. And we move backwards in this forward moving world. Think about it. To live backward, rooted, grounded, established, and planted in the truth that never changes in an ever-changing world. He is the God who says, return to me, remember me, seek me, return to me and to the faith of your Father. Remember me and all that I have done for you. Seek me. And watch what I will do through you. See, our world is so bent on moving forward into the latest and the greatest. Reshaping and redefining the very morals and values of the foundations of life. That's where we live today. Our whole world. Everything just being redefined. It's just a, it's a crazy situation. And, and, and right now, now we got all this stuff. And, and now we got Christians. Sometimes I just... I, I just Some things about like, uh, how can I say this? Sometimes I probably shouldn't be on Facebook. I guess I should say it like that. Because I get very discouraged at how stupid people are. And everything they fall for. Amen? Are you kidding me? And so now, and, and, and so people caught them all this stuff. It's like this whole hype right now over the movie, The Shack, coming out and everything. And, and God has totally been redefined in this movie. It's very emotional because the guy loses his daughter. He goes through his whole trauma. And, and they tie it all around emotion. Everything's caught up around emotion and that. And then people get redefined and, and everything gets redefined. And we end up with God being a woman and, and all this crazy stuff. We're going, what in the world is going on? And, and, and saying that, that the Bible, God was never meant to be confined to a book and the Bible's not it and discrediting the word of God and then Christians thinking this is the greatest thing since the Bible was written I'm going what in the world is happening and so but everything's being redefined even God the shack redefines God that whole movie redefines God, redefines the Holy Spirit, redefines who Christ is, redefines the need of salvation. Nobody, God doesn't judge anything. God can never send anybody to hell. It redefines everything. But it's not just today. It's not, it's not just pertinent to today. It's not just because that's coming out. Man's done that forever. Man is not content until he forms God into his own image. That's what has happened all along. That's what idolatry is. It's not that we make idols, but we form an image of what we want God to be in our own mind. And then we define our theology around that. Look inside your outline. I love guys. That's why I like reading old preachers. Amen. Vance Havner was a great preacher. He said this. He said, when the average man thinks of a Christian... He thinks of churches and choirs and preachers and prayers, laws and puritanical restrictions. Few think of Christians as the greatest of all miracles. Come on, you're a believer. You're the greatest of all miracles on the face of the earth. You know what that is? It is a sinner saved through the blood of Christ, sustained by the bread of Christ, and aflame with the heavenly fire of the Holy Ghost. Amen? Amen? That's the greatest miracle ever. And so we need to move back to the basics of our faith and the faith. 2 Timothy, you might want to write it down, but Paul said, it's interesting. 2 Timothy verse four, chapter 4 and verse 7, Paul says, I have fought the fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. I have kept the faith. 
And that's so important that we keep, that we hold on, we protect and we stand for the truth of the faith. So let's look at this, the blood, the bread, and the fire. The Christian life is, first of all, an experience of blood. If not for the shedding of the blood, there could be no remission or forgiveness of sins. Because his blood declares, Ephesians 1 and verse 7 declares that we are redeemed through his blood. 1 Peter 1 and verse 8 declares that we are redeemed with precious blood, not silver and gold. You were bought with a pride and you've been redeemed with flesh and God. Not, not, Jesus didn't come down and just deal out some money. He didn't pay a pride. It was his blood, the price of his blood that redeems us. Acts 20 and verse 28, he purchased the church with his blood. Come on, we're a blood-bought church. Amen? Think about it. Matthew 26, 28, as we read it, he said his blood is the ground of forgiveness for it was shed for the remission of sin. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for the remission, the cleansing, redeeming of sin. Go with me to Romans chapter 5. Look at this. Romans chapter 5. I'm putting together. I, I got a hold of John Muncy and uh, he has a lot of good stuff. So I'm going to use part of his uh, uh, Asked him to send me what he had on a PowerPoint on the rapture, some information. Because it's been a long time since I, 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 we talk about it, we bring it up. But I haven't really done a real lesson on the rapture. So I'm looking at if the Lord will allow me uh, the last Sunday of, of March and the first Sunday of April leading up to Easter. I'm going to preach on a, a two-week uh, series on the rapture and, uh, and, and the church and that. And just the understanding of where we are today. Because I keep looking around and I, I get up in the morning I kind of practice. Amen. Uh, hey <laughs> do, do a few jumps, you know, a little rapture practice. Get out of here, man. These guys' place is going crazy. Amen. Amen. But anyway, Romans chapter 5, look at this. And uh, I better get to, I've got caught up in that. And I'm in, I talked about talking to John, so I turned to John. Hallelujah. Romans, look at this, one, one verse, Romans chapter 5, verse 9, watch this, but uh, just go back to, to verse 8. But God demonstrates his love towards us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, amen? amen? Now look at this, much more than having now been justified, what? By his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. We've been justified by his blood, therefore we shall be saved from wrath through him. And so people, and, and, and just even tying this in, in the message on the rapture, is that when people say, well, you know, I believe the church, so we have the, the, the pre-millennium, mid-millennium, pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, all-millennialism, everything, and people don't believe there's anything, we just all just have, the, then you have kingdom now stuff, you have all these different viewpoints on eschatology, on things to come, but it says here that the Bible clearly tells at the end that there's a day of judgment coming. And what you have to understand is that you and I, we are, we, you are not an individual believer. You're not just an individual Christian. You are a member of the body of Christ. The church is the body of Christ. Amen. That's who you are. You are a member of the body of Christ. Your identity is in Him. If any man beware, 
in Christ, he's a new creation. Jesus, and we are also the bride of Christ, and Jesus is coming back for his bride. He's coming back for his church, and when the world gets judged, the body of Christ is not going to go through judgment because he already endured judgment one time. Christ endured judgment one. He's not going to be judged again, which is why Moses couldn't go into the promised land because when he, the first time that, that he, they needed water, God said, strike the rock and water will come out of the rock. The second time, God said, speak to the rock. And they, Moses struck the rock because he was frustrated with the children of God. And God said, because you struck the rock when I told you. But if you read 1 Corinthians 10, it says that they all drank from that same spiritual water that came from that rock. And the rock that was following them, giving them the water of life in the wilderness, was Christ, Paul said. And so Christ will not be smitten twice. And so the body is not going to go through judgment. Are you with me? So there's a little prelude to what's coming. Praise the Lord. Now watch it. So it's the ground of our justification. Colossians 1.20. The blood is the ground of our peace. For our peace with God was made through the blood of His cross. Ephesians 2.13. By His blood we now have access to God. For we who were far off are made nigh or made near, allowed to come near by the blood. Hebrews 10.19 and chapter 4 and verse 16. Through His blood we now have bold access to the throne of God. Amen. We are people of blood. We don't like to talk about that in our culture today, that Christianity is a bloody uh, uh, religion, and it is. And a lot of people have done a lot of stupid stuff, but the blood is the voice of justification. Amen? And it's the voice of our righteousness. 1 John 1 and verse 7 says, His blood provides daily cleansing for our sin as we confess and forsake them to walk in the light as He is in the light. His blood cleanses us from all sin and unrighteousness. Amen? Because this is the way of the cross. And it's foolishness to the natural man. People think about it and say, man, this is just foolishness. But how many know God said he chose a foolish thing to confound the wise? Amen? But whether we like it or not, it is the declaration of God's word that says, when I see the blood, I will what? Passover. And even at that at Passover, we, we, we'll have the information for you uh, this coming Sunday. But uh, Michael Fay, is, we have a new family in our church. Stephen Connie Rice is uh, 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 sister and brother-in-law, but he's done for years, he's done a whole Passover dinner celebration that. So on uh, the, the day before uh, Easter, the 15th, we're going to do the Passover dinner, dec- uh, uh, Seder, Messianic Seder dinner, have it in the fellowship hall. It, it's a three-hour presentation that he does of the prophetic significance of the Passover. And what the Passover was, listen, God said, when I see the blood, my judgment will pass over you. Are you with me? So God is coming. The death angel is coming to judge the world. And so Egypt as a type of the world, but Israel as a type of the church and the body of Christ also. So we have the blood applied. Judgment or wrath passes over. Are you with me? Praise the Lord. So that's going to be exciting that's coming up and uh, before Easter this year. Amen? Resurrection Sunday. Glory to God. So go with me to Hebrews chapter 10. How important is the blood? And people get, if we just don't understand. This foundation is so important. When people belittle the blood, talk stupid about the blood, and about these foundational truths, then they miss how significant the blood is. So watch this. Hebrews chapter 10 
And begin with me in verse 26. It says, For if we sin willfully, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversary. How many know this probably isn't on most people's refrigerators? Anyone who rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Look at verse 29. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose will he be thought worthy of who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing and insulted the Spirit of grace? Wow. So God takes the blood serious, amen? The blood, this truth of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, 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 and there are whole, uh, there's whole religious movements today that are taking the blood out of their doctrine. And people who, who don't even celebrate communion because it represents the blood. And so that, but it says here that it is the blood is actually, it, it, it's, so holy to God, and it's such a significant part of our life. And so it is not to be taken lightly. The first phase of the Christian life is the experience of the blood. The moment we confess Christ, we are cleansed and washed by the washing of the blood of the Lamb. Amen? So significant in our life. And we need to understand that. And then the second phase that comes, and the second aspect of, our, of this trinity of truth, is the blood must be followed by the bread. The, the Christian life begins with the blood of the slain lamb applied to the doorpost of our heart and continues on the strength of Christ, the Passover feast, and feeds upon him by faith. See, they, they, Jesus is the Paschal Lamb. John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Well, in the Passover meal, they took the Lamb... And they partook of him. And it's interesting, we're going to have chicken at the Passover dinner. This is a whole meal. This is like a dinner theater that he does. And it's an awesome thing. I've seen the presentation and, and, and the outline for it and that and clips of it. But, but, but it's like a, a whole dinner theater around the Passover going through the whole thing. And the reason you have chicken is because there is no temple today in order to offer the sacrifice, the atoning sacrifice. And so there's a reason that they don't eat lamb in the Passover meal meal because there is no temple we don't understand that because we don't understand covenant as well as we should are you with me but in the original passover meal they sacrificed the lamb and then they were to partake of the lamb of god you were to partake so when jesus says in the bread he says this is my body broken for you as the lamb of god he says you are to partake of me it's the same symbolism as eating the lamb in the Passover meal. Are you with me? So the blood must be followed by the bread. For except we eat of his flesh and drink of his blood, we have no life in it. Jesus literally told those, the multitudes who are following, John 6, 53, except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life of me in you. You are not part of me. And they got all freaked out over that. Remember that? And then look at this. By partaking of the bread, we receive his wholeness in place of our brokenness. Amen. We read in Isaiah 53, he was wounded and he was bruised and broken for our transgression. Christ in all his fullness must be appropriated by faith in our lives for every need. 
The time to feed upon Christ is now, not later, but right now. Every day, today is the day of salvation. How many know you need to be partaking every day of the bread of life? So the question is, how do we feed upon the bread of life? Go with me to John chapter 6. We reference it, but let's just turn there and read it. John chapter 6. In verse 63, he says, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit, and they are what? They are life. So God's Word is a living Word. It is the Word of life. Hallelujah. So Jesus spoke words of life to those who would hear Him. So to feed upon Him is to read and to heed. Or to obey. The word he just simply means to obey. So it's one thing to hear the word of God. It's another thing to do the word of God. Can you say amen? amen. It's to hear and to keep his commandments. First John 2, 3 says, By this we know that we love him if we keep his commandments. So I can know. How do I know? It's one thing to say I love him. But how do I know that I really love him? If I'm hearing his word and heeding and obeying the word, then that's the proof of my love. Amen. And then uh, Jesus said in John 14, 15, he said, if you love me, keep my commandment. In John 13, 34, he says, a new commandment. He's speaking to his disciples. He says, I give you a new commandment. So they had the law. They both. And Jesus said, I'm giving you a new commandment. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples and that you have love one towards another. So he commanded us that we have to have love one towards another. Amen? Whether we like them or not, we get to love them. Hallelujah. And then in John 15 and verse 7 it says, If we abide in him and his word does what? Abides in us. So his word has to be in us. And that means becoming a part of it. Not just getting something in our head, some knowledge or something. We have all kinds of knowledge in our head. But it's different when something gets down inside of you and lives on the inside of you. Then we ask what we will and it shall be done for us. Think about that. Now either that's true or Jesus is a liar. Either the word of God is true or he's a liar. But I believe the Word of God is true. Amen? But the thing that happens is that we get the Word in our head, but we need to get the Word down where it abides on the inside of it. Go with me to James chapter 1. It has to become a living part of you. Amen. How many ever went to the, uh, been to a restaurant and got one of them soup bowls? A bread, a bread bowl, soup bowl? Well, actually, if you ask for the bowl without the soup, you could actually take the bread and just put it on your head and wear it as a hat. You could have a bread hat. And so you could have bread on your mind. Amen? And, and, and that's what a lot of people done with the Word of God. They, they take that bread bowl and they just put it on their head. They got the Word of God on their head, on their mind. You know, I, I got it in my head, but I don't have it in my heart. So the bread wasn't just meant to be in your head, not just in your mind. But it's supposed to, you're supposed to eat it. So when you eat the bread, you, you digest it and it gets assimilated. It becomes a living part of you. And that's the way the Word of God is. But we think if I just know it, if I just have some knowledge about God. But Jesus didn't come to give us knowledge. He came to give us life. 
The words I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life and they must be assimilated into you. So it's so important that in this forward moving world, we have to go back to these bases. And remember, wait a minute, I'm justified and sanctified and redeemed by the blood and then I'm kept alive and I'm sustained by ingesting and feeding and living on the bread of life. Amen? So important. James chapter 1, and I'm getting there. You guys are quicker than me because I'm talking and you're not. Amen. James chapter 1 and verse 21 says, Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. Receive with meekness the implanted, the King James actually says, the engrafted word which is able to save your soul. So having the word engrafted into your life, literally becoming a part of you, a fixed part of you, an integral part of your being is what the bread of life is all about. Many Christians who have experienced the safety of the blood do not correspondingly know as they should the strength of the bread. The blood makes us safe from wrath and from judgment, but the bread makes us strong and whole. We must be people of the word. We have to be people of the Word. Now get this. It's so important. The Word of God is your main line of defense and offense against the enemy. If you don't know the Word, you can't defeat the enemy. Jesus didn't just go, I'm the Son of God. Leave me alone, devil. He said, it is written. And so the devil always comes to you trying to twist the word, and you have to know the word to defeat him with the word, by being able to speak the word, amen, and declare the word of God. So it's so important that we study and show ourselves approved that a workman who doesn't need to be ashamed, but we can rightly divide the word of truth, amen? So the word of God is our main line of defense and offense. So the Christian life, be, Christian begins his life in Christ coming under the blood for salvation and continues by the blood, uh, by, by the bread for, uh, by the blood for daily cleansing, forgive me. And then he lives by the bread for daily food, strength, and wholeness. So the bread of God, we have the cleansing, but then the bread is my daily strength and my daily wholeness. Amen? Somebody said, you know, uh, seven days without prayer makes one week. Amen. But seven days without the Word makes one week too. Amen? So getting the Word, you have to have the Word. And, and, and if we really treated the Word of God like we treat everything else, when it comes to eating, we, you, you just have to develop an appetite, a spiritual hunger and an appetite for the word of God. Amen. It, it takes that in our life. And so there's so many other things. So many other substitutes. And many times it's not just enough. It, it's easy today on your phone. You can plug in your phone. And, and you can have your phone read the word to you. You can get it on your radio. You can get it everywhere else. And you can have somebody do it for you. Have somebody else do your reading for you. But, but, but you have to get in there. You have to have that. That's why, like, there's something about, you hear me say it all the time, there's something about the written Word of God, holding a tangible Bible in your hand and then letting God talk to you and then writing in there and following along. In fact, as Chris was reading that scripture, I have my grandfather's Bible, and he had an old Thompson chain. I have his, his Bible, and you go in there, and I can't read anything without marking it. 
I mean, every, every book I get, if I get an original copy of something, of an old book, I have to like, I, I don't even know if I can read this, because as soon as I read it, I want to underline something. So sometimes I'll get those, and I'll do it in real light pencil, so I could, you know, maybe erase it later if it's really valuable or something. I don't know. But anyway, I feel, well, if it's good, it's a book, I'm going to mark in it, praise the Lord. And, uh, but, but Grandpa, he didn't mark that. He had one scripture underlined in his Bible. Well, out of his whole Bible, he had one scripture to underline. Anybody want to guess what it was? No, it was Psalms 37, 25 that he read in the offering. I've been young and now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed out begging for bread. And gra Grandpa was a pastor for 56 years. And he had that one scripture underlined in that Bible that I have in my office. It's awesome. Amen. Okay, so we have the blood, we have the bread, and, and standing on the word of God, we have the blood that cleanses us, we have the bread that sustains us. Now we need the fire in our life. Think about it. The Christian life is not complete with blood and bread. There must be the experience of fire, the fire of Pentecost in our life. Isn't it amazing that on the day of Pentecost, that, that they had cloven tongues of fire set upon them, significant, so they would know that it was exactly what John had talked about. See, these early Christians had come under the blood and had fed upon the bread of life and disciples for over three years, yet Jesus himself directed them to tarry and wait until they were fire baptized. The blood makes us safe from sin. The bread makes us strong, but more is needed for victorious Christian living and witnessing. As Chris was praying about being witnessing and having a passion for soul, there as we were praying, you're not, we're not going to be a witness without the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said the Holy Spirit is going to come and he's going to give you the power to be a witness for me. He's the empower, he is the enabler in our life. But unfortunately, thousands of believers fall short of a pre-Pentecost experience. They have been taught that it is personal knowledge of Christ is all that one needs. And that is true as to salvation. Yet the point is overlooked that these believers who knew Christ, Jesus' own disciples, he tells them after spending this intimate time with him and being with them, seeing him resurrected, spending those 40 days, he still tells them, don't leave until you are endued with power. You need the Holy Spirit. You need this fire in your life. Thank God for the blood. Thank God for the bread. But you need the fire as well. Amen? And so they were instructed by him personally to wait for the power of the Holy Spirit in Luke 24, 49. It's true that Pentecost came historically once and for all, just as Calvary did. Many times people say, well, that was the day of Pentecost. That already happened. Yeah, but people draw on Calvary every day. Amen. So, yeah, the, the initial came, but we tap into it right now every day. Amen? Personally, it's there for us. So, it's also that they receive, each believer must appropriate the blood by faith, and each believer must receive by faith the baptism and power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go with me to Galatians chapter 3. Look at what Paul says. Are you doing all right? So what do we do? What do we hold on? I just want to encourage you. Hold on to these three foundational principles in your life. Don't be afraid to live backwards in a forward world. Amen. 
everything going on, wait a minute, I'm going to stand, I'm, I'm secure, I, I know that the blood of Christ has washed me, has redeemed me, I know that the bread of life sustains me, and I know that the power of the Holy Spirit empowers me, equips me and empowers me to live victorious, to be the overcomer that Jesus said we would be. Amen? Amen. Uh, uh, Galatians chapter 3 and verse 14. Look at what it says. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles that we might receive the promise of the Spirit. How? Through faith. So Jesus says, I'm going to the Father. I'm going to receive the promise. And I'm going to pour the promise out upon you. And we receive it. Paul speaking to the church at Galatia. That the blessing of Abraham came upon the Gentiles. And that we receive the promise of the Holy Spirit through faith. We get saved by faith and we receive this mighty baptism by faith as well. This is an experience of spiritual thirst and of coming to Christ to drink of the Spirit by faith until filled and overflowing. Jesus spoke of that in John chapter 7. The blood and the bread must be accompanied by fire. We have blood-washed and blood-nourished Christians who have been well-taught in the word of life who still lack fire. Amen. Some think it no more than fanaticism, while others believe it to be just a gradual growth in grace. Some even mistake the indwelling for the infilling. And, uh, you know, there, there, there is a, uh, the prepositions. There are prepositions that go with the Holy Spirit in us, with us, and upon us. Amen? And those are three distinct work that He does in our life. <coughs> and one thing we do in Christianity is we take everything and lump it all together and make it one. But the indwelling of the Holy Spirit produces the fruit of the Spirit, which is for regeneration. That's where you have regenerated. We're regenerated. So we're conformed to the image of Christ, the renewing of our mind. And so the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, gentleness, temperance, meekness, faith, all those things are inside of us. And that's personal character, the personal character of Christ being developed on the inside of us. But the infilling is that anointing for power and for ministry that now out of what we've received, we're now anointed to minister that out. Could you say amen? So think about it. This has left the church largely behind closed door, just like before Pentecost. See, something happens amazing. Before Pentecost came, they were up there casting lots. They were hanging out, they, and they were just trying to be obedient, but nobody was venturing too far out of the upper room. But then once Pentecost came, man, they exploded on the scene, and next thing you know, thousands of people are getting saved because now fire has come, and they've been baptized. They don't just have the blood. They're not just feeding on the bread, but now they have that anointing and that baptism of power, and now they're being those bold witnesses for Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Amen? And that happens to the church today in the very same way. See, for us, while believers try to stir up fire from their own spark, instead of being set on fire by God. <laughs> Amen. Come on, we can do a little bit of something, but it's much better when God starts a bonfire in us. Amen? See, anyone who seeks to burn for God will have to go deeper than sentence prayers and occasional wishful thinking. We must possess a holy heartburn for God and a consuming desire for the fullness of the Spirit. Praise the Lord. You know, uh, two weeks ago we were down at the, at the pastor's uh, 
City Pastors Luncheon, and I ran into Bryce Jessup, and uh, his family are the founders of William Jessup University, and uh, he, he was the president of that university for years. And uh, they fought, and, and, and it was a real struggle getting William Jessup planted in Rockland out there where it is and working with the city. He said, man, it was going for years and years and years. He said, and, and I was reaching a, a part of, because what I did is I went up to him and said, Brian, every time I see you, him and Henry Wells, I was telling man, every time I see you guys, encourage me. Because here I am at this stage of my life, and I'm in the, uh, the I don't know, the, the third phase or the, you know, whatever you'd want to call it in that area where people start, man, I'm getting towards the, the last phase or whatever phase you want to call it. But, but in this last segment of, of life, I'm not at the beginning. Amen. But he goes, yeah, he goes, you know what? He, he said 64 to 74 was the most uh, 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 explosive part of my ministry. He says, I was kind of backwards. So a lot of people start out have you know real success at the beginning, but for me the, the most successful season of my life was sixty four to seventy four, and, and now he's just over eighty. I think he's eighty one or eighty two right now. And so I just get encouraged seeing him there, still showing up, still participating, still being involved as a president emeritus there at Jessup and encouraging young people and stuff. And and he goes, but sixty four to seventy four, and that God ordained that would come. And I said, man, that's encouraging to me. So what I'm saying is that 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 whatever age you're at, there has to be something. I always personally, I'm saying that because I kind of want to keep people that being encouragement me that even as I'm at a stage, that people, oh, you're at the, the last stage, you should be winding down. I want to be stirring up a holy hunger for more fire in my life. Amen. And we all have to do that. And so he's going, man, 64 to 74 were the most productive years of ministry in my life. I said, man, I, I want to believe God for that. I want to believe that as long as I'm alive, as long as I'm here. And that's what he said. He said, hey, as long as we are here, God still wants to do great things through our lives. But the world, you live in a forward progressive world. You live in a world, even our denomination tells our missionaries when they reach 65, we tell our missionaries, you need to get off the field and give it to somebody else. But wait a minute, they have the most experience they've ever had. They're smarter than they've ever been. They know more than they've ever known about ministry, about planning, about reaching foreign cultures. And we're telling them to go take a nap. Amen. But, so, but there's something that has to happen. Now, if we're going to be a people that see God move and, and see God move in our day and our hour and in the midst of all the craziness we see going on, then we have to be a people who seek to burn for God. And we have to go deeper than sentence prayer and just wishful thinking. We must possess a holy heartburn and a consuming desire for the fullness of the Spirit. And one thing about being filled with the Spirit, it's not a once you get it, you got it all thing. It's continually be being filled. Oh, be being filled because the anointing comes to be used and then you recharge and then you go again and then you recharge and you go again. It's for, an, it's for ministry. It's for using. There has to be that desire to be used by God. Amen? Think about it. God will reward the man who forsakes and forgets all else in seeking the double portion of power with God and with men. You know, they were singing that song by, 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 by our friend Amy and, and, and just, Lord, take my life away, everything I have. And Jesus said, he that wants to keep his life is going to have to lose it. And he that loses his life finds life. And there's something about God. You know what? I'm just ready to give everything up and just go after all of you. God, let's just replay. Here, I give you mine. You give me yours. Amen? 
And it's a great exchange when we just go after God like that. And that's what the fire is for in our life. It is that empowerment that comes. The men and women that God uses have paid a price in prevailing prayer. These are those who arise from prayer confident of His power, inflamed with His fire, and filled with the boldness of the Spirit. Go with me to Acts chapter 4. Teresa, if you just come back, please. Amen. Well, let's get everybody. Let's do that soul on fire song again. That was awesome. Amen. Amen. We'll get the whole band. Hallelujah. Fits right in. In fact, I was thinking about that the other day. Did you ask Rick to learn that after we talked? Or is that something? Okay. Teresa and I talked a while back. I said, man, we need to get Rick to learn that song, Soul on Fire. How you been? It does it amazing. It would be great. And so they, they did that. And then I, I'm preparing this message tonight. And I'm up in my office. I hear him practice. I said, man, that's perfect. God's good. Amen? So watch this. Acts 4 and verse 31. And when they had prayed. Now think about that. Look at it. There's not much different. In the book of Acts, the disciples have been told, don't preach in the name of Jesus. Look at what we're told today. Look what we're told today. Don't witness. Don't be bold for the Lord. Don't witness for the Lord. Don't talk to anybody on your job. Don't talk to people in the community. Don't talk to people around. Be quiet. Keep your opinions. Keep your faith to yourself. Shut up. Separate your church and state. Get out of here. Every, every, every place you go. Amen. I remember it was funny years ago when we did the golf tournament. We were working with the, with the senior PGA Tour. We did the golf tournament. And uh, they, they had us do a, a, a uh, they let us do a, a Sunday morning service, a sunrise service, at, before the tournament started on the 18th green. And we'd invite out some of the players would come out and stuff and different people. that. But there were people who were anti-faith uh, and, and, and against religion and anything. And they were at the golf tournament going, you know what, there's a separation between church and state. I said, this is a golf tournament. You gotta be kidding! Church and state—it's in the state. This is a golf tournament. It has nothing to do with anything. But, but people tell you be quiet. But look what happened. And when they prayed after after being threatened and being told to be quiet and not to speak in the name of Jesus, they prayed. And when they prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled. Everybody say filled. They were all filled. So the people who got filled on the day of Pentecost, the people who got filled after the day of Pentecost, and, and that received the promise. Now here they are getting filled again. And then after being filled, and they spoke the word of God with what? With boldness. And they went out. And that's what we need. See, it's my prayer for you that you will come to know and live in the trinity of this full experience in Christ. The blood, the bread, and the fire. Matthew 5 and verse 6 said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Come on, true revival, Tozer said this, True revival comes when we have a have the sustained presence of God in our midst. More than just a temporary influxes that we receive in our services, but a presence that does not subside, but remains upon us and within our gathering. Hallelujah. 
Why? Because the blood is our covering and declares our righteousness of Christ. The word is our life-giving bread which sustains us and is our only line of defense against the lies of the devil. And the fire and the power of the Holy Spirit makes us more than conquer. So we must purpose to live backwards in a forward world. Come on, stand to your feet right now. Let's just purpose God. Just thank Him for the blood. Thank Him for the Word. And then have a hunger for the fire of the Holy Spirit. Come on, ask the Lord tonight just to fill you afresh. Fill you anew. Have that hunger, that desire stirred up. As they lead us, just sing this song. Make this just declaration that, that till I am a soul on fire. Amen.